0: Well, good morning, Storehouse. Man, I I miss y'all, but I am also very excited to to worship Jesus with you today. Today is... Easter Sunday, it is Resurrection Sunday, that is, that that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive and well as he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day, the scriptures tell us that he will return in glory and splendor to reclaim his bride, the church if you are new and joining us online my name is marco i serve as the preaching and teaching pastor here at storehouse mccallan it is an honor to have you uh, join us online uh, for our Easter service. Uh, and at this point, you guys should have seen a short video that we uh, compiled of our members that walks you through the gospel message. And so I hope you enjoyed that and were encouraged by that. Uh, at this time, I would uh, invite you to join me in Romans chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 16 and 17. And so while you flip uh, your Bibles open or load your Bible on your phone or device, Uh, let me just walk you through a couple of announcements or updates. The first one is what we call our digital liturgy page. This is a page on our website that you can visit uh, where we have uh, a ton of resources available for you. This could be for your uh, theological development or spiritual formation, especially since we're all home right now. Uh, In addition to that, You can submit prayer requests or even connect with us online because we'd love to meet you, even if it's via Zoom. And that brings me to the second announcement. Uh, This Friday, April 17th at 1230, Uh, We want to invite you to to, to meet us over Zoom uh, so that we can get to know you and connect with you Uh, in this short meeting, in this short time. uh, Basically, what we want to do is just share the story of Storehouse McAllen, tell you a little bit about what we believe and our values. But most importantly, we'd love to just connect with you and, and pray for you. Again, that's Friday, April 17th at 1230. The final announcement that I have for you is, uh, if you were unaware, earlier this week, uh, the city of McAllen released a statement that was requiring all residents to to wear masks out in public uh and so once we got that statement or read that statement we had several volunteers from our our friday and wednesday night uh, missional communities uh jump on it and begin to sew uh, masks for families in our church and, and and families in our community and so we have uh individuals who are sewing who are cutting fabric and who are making deliveries delivering personally delivering these masks to families uh all of the information is on the website however if you have been on the website in the last couple of days we've actually closed the request form because it was such uh it was actually such a hit that we got so many requests and so right now our volunteers are just working their way so that they can catch up so that they can provide you and your family Uh, with a mask. Um, In addition to that, I would uh, encourage you to keep visiting the website. We'll post updates uh, to let you know when we're, uh, I guess, fully stocked and ready to keep going. Uh, But also, if you would like to serve in in this uh, area of ministry, this mask delivery, we need people who are going to help us make deliveries in McAllen, Uh, people who can buy or cut fabric uh, or sew. And so if you have uh, uh, interest or you're available in serving, uh, email Christina at storehousemccallan.com and she will provide you with all the up-to-date details. And so those are all the announcements I have for you this morning. I would love to just dive into our time. If you are just joining us, we're going to be in Romans chapter 1, Verses 16 and 17. And so every Sunday, I, I tend to open our time with a question. And, and today is no different, so I want to open up our time with a question. And the question is, have you ever felt humiliated or embarrassed? You see, often as a result of feeling or being humiliated and embarrassed, shame comes from things like that. Shame comes from humiliation, and sometimes it is the result of us uh, doing foolish behavior, making poor decisions, uh, or sometimes it comes as a result of someone's actions toward you. And the truth is, it's, it's hurtful, and it's discouraging, and in shame, we pull away from people, we second-guess ourselves, and at times, we isolate ourselves more than we ought to. This morning, the Apostle Paul is going to encourage our hearts and motivations by calling us to not be ashamed in light of the gospel. You see, God, through Paul, uh, is going to argue and contend that we should not be ashamed of the gospel because the, in the gospel lies hope hope peace, and particularly power. And so in our time this morning, here's what I want you to know. Here is the main idea. And the main idea is that the gospel is the power of God at work through Jesus in rescuing sinners. And so I'd love to just read these verses and then I'll pray and we'll keep going with our time. Again, this is Romans 1, and here is what God says through Paul. Beginning in verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let me pray. God, as we come before you uh, in worship, Lord, I pray that our hearts are humbled right now. Not that they would just be humbled, but that they are humbled right now. God, I pray that we would be sensitive and receptive uh, to your word for us this morning. I pray that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work in us. And at the same time, God, I pray that we would respond uh, with humility, that we would respond accordingly to what you call us to. God, today we look back at the fact that the tomb is empty and that Jesus is risen. But the truth is, this is a celebration of the church every Sunday. Today is just a day where we Uh, pay specific attention and focus in this area, but this is a beautiful truth that we proclaim and that we celebrate every single week. And so as we dive into the text, Holy Spirit, would you meet us where we are? Jesus, would you draw us to yourself? And Father, would you be glorified in this time And lastly, would we we be sanctified in this time of worship? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen beginning in verse 16. If you have not read uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, number one, let me encourage you to do so. Uh, But number two, I want you to know that these verses, and many would argue uh, that these verses are the main idea of the entire book or letter to the Romans. And Paul opens with several encouragements and even beautiful truths. One of them doesn't necessarily sound like one, but I want to Unpack that just a little bit, and so in verse thir- uh, excuse me, verse sixteen. What I want you to notice is that the first thing Paul says is that he is unashamed of the gospel. We need to first understand that the gospel is transformative. That is, when we have an experience and in in an encounter with the risen Christ, we don't walk away. The same. If I look back at my life, I can see that one, I I came to know Jesus about 12 years ago. And and apart from Jesus, my heart, my life, my motivation uh, was rooted deeply in pride and in anger and in entitlement and certainly in, in violence. But what I can tell you in light of that is that Jesus saved me. That the Holy Spirit regenerated my heart, and from there I certainly have not walked perfectly, but faithfully in light of what God has done for me in Christ. And it is, uh, it is difficult, but the work of God. I believe would be evident, not because of my doing, but because of what Jesus has done. Many of you have the same story that, man, you came to know Jesus and Jesus rescued you and changed you and who you were, whether it was a year ago or years ago, who you were is not who you are today. You see, for many Christians, upon conversion, uh, one of the things that we would say is that they are on fire for God that they are unashamed, that they are constantly sharing the gospel and telling their friends and family about Jesus and their experience, and they're inviting them to their church family, and they're telling them all that God is doing in and through them. It would almost appear as if they are completely fearless in sharing the gospel. However, for many, at some point, a number of things are experienced and i just want to walk through some of these and and this might be your experience for some <clears throat> for some they might have experienced shame because as they began sharing the gospel and telling people about jesus they were discouraged because they were rejected by by friends and family. This, this would be part of my story, that it was one thing for me to say that there is a God. It was quite another thing for me to say that we must confess and repent of our sin and place our trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And telling that to my parents in a Hispanic household in a pri- primarily a, a Roman Catholic context uh, didn't go over so well. For, for for others, rejection was way more harsh than what I experienced. And so shame in the gospel came as a result of being discouraged, came as a result of being socially rejected. Friends and family may have told you, this is where you're gonna put your time and energy in. This is what you're gonna believe, that a man named Jesus saves sinners. And no matter how much you tried pushing for the work of Jesus, it just seemed to discourage you. Their rejection seemed to discourage you. For some of you, maybe you've experienced the feeling that nothing is happening. That as you began to share the gospel with your friends and your family, nothing was happening. It felt like Jesus wasn't showing up. And so, nothing happened. Does the gospel really save Does Jesus really save sinners? I keep sharing with friends and family and nothing happens. For others, the gospel went from being good news to old news. And so it became mundane. It became boring. This is something I've heard over and over again. I get it. It's a wonderful convenience. And so as a result, maybe, maybe, it became boring because you didn't really see anything else going on. And finally, some of you have had the experience where, man, the gospel was beautiful at one point, but now you're simply looking for something else. The question is, have you ever felt this way? Have you ever been tempted to feel this way? I know personally I have. I know Paul was, otherwise he wouldn't be stating it the way he is. Additionally, and I would submit this question to you respectfully, could it be that your motivation for the gospel was centered more on yourself than it was for Jesus? That may not be everybody, but nevertheless, I want to put the question on the table. If you you think about it, oftentimes when we experience rejection uh, rather than turning to Jesus, we hide in shame. Rather than reminding ourselves of the gospel, the one that we were in need of, we hide, we isolate, we become hidden in our faith because of rejection. Maybe for those where it felt like nothing was happening, maybe it was because you were trying to be the Savior and not just be a son or a daughter, but you were trying to be Savior, and so nothing was happening. It was out of your own effort. You were trying to just tell people, if you would do this and do that and do what I say, it would be better, but unfortunately, nothing was happening. Maybe for those who... Feel like the gospel or believe that it just became mundane and boring. Maybe it's because your heart is divided. Maybe your heart is distant from God. For those who were looking for something else, could it be that you were simply looking for something or someone to to scratch an emotional itch? That when it came to the gospel, you just didn't want to hear about the holiness of God anymore. That you wanted your felt needs to be met. That when it came to looking at other churches or other leaders or pastors or preachers, you just wanted someone to affirm you, but you didn't necessarily walk away learning or growing closer to Jesus. You didn't learn about the condition of your heart. Instead, you were coddled and so inevitably what ends up happening is that rather than being a worshiper of jesus you become a consumer of the church and so regardless of your experience we must ask Well, what happened to the power at one point you you weren't ashamed at one point you wanted to tell everybody about the gospel what happened to the power I want you to focus on the next part of verse 16, the next uh, part Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. I want you to notice why Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. He says because the gospel is the power of God. The word power in the Greek language uh, is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. That is, salvation and all the blessings of God are met, are possible, and are made available through the person and work of Jesus. The power of the gospel lies in the person and work of Jesus rescuing sinners. Additionally, I want you to think about why people, and this might be you, why people go to great lengths to experience revelation or spirituality, prosperity or healing, miracles, or looking to go to large churches where their felt needs are going to be met. Everyone is looking for the same thing. Everyone is looking for a power, a power to deliver of them, a power to save them, a power that is going to meet them where they are. And Paul says, that's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God at work through Jesus in rescuing sinners. Quite frankly and quite simply, that's it. The power of the gospel is that Jesus saves sinners. And as a result... It's for everyone. Paul continues. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The power of the gospel is for everyone and anyone. For those who are poor in spirit, emptied of their pride, for those who are brokenhearted, the power of the gospel is God at work through Jesus in saving Sinners. As we continue into verse 17, Paul goes on to say, For in it, that is the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. See, in this verse, Paul now transitions by telling us the how. How God saves. That is, sinners like you and me are declared Righteous or just. The word righteousness here is a, is like a legal term. And so, so what Paul is saying is that sinners are saved by being declared righteous. Here's the challenge, though. The challenge is that you and I cannot make or declare ourselves to be righteous or just before God. Because if you and I compare ourselves to God, we are always going to fall short. And the truth is, you and I know this. But we torment ourselves by trying to think or trying to believe that we can earn our way to God with our own efforts. Many people who don't know Jesus will live similar to this, that if they do good things and are good people and are simply polite and do some good things as they walk through this life, God will have to take notice. Some of you who know Jesus will respond similarly or in another way, when you sin, when you fall short, when you jack it up, Right, Rather than turning to Jesus and running to him, you will tend to think that if you just do a couple of good things, then you're going to be back in the graces of God, that he's not going to press the eject button, that he's not going to reject you because you did enough things to get back in his graces. Let me tell you, this is a false righteousness. It is one that surely does not help us in earning our way to God. But it is one that torments us because we're constantly doing things to earn our way to God or to find our way in the grace of God. But when Paul writes this word righteousness, he's writing not about a righteousness that you and I earn so that we're approved the righteousness that paul writes about is one that god makes available to anyone who would believe in him you see the righteousness that he is referring to is the righteousness of jesus and not our own god accepts and approves sinners On the condition of faith alone in Christ alone. We would call this justification, that is, being declared right before God, justification by faith. You see, it is the righteousness that Jesus freely imputes, that is, that he gives, that he gifts. It is the righteousness that Jesus freely imputes onto sinners who turn to him in faith. And as a result, this righteousness is not simply a convenience of forgiveness. It is a grace that is, it is undeserving. But in the same vein, it is transformative. You don't walk away with the righteousness of Christ and think that it's a convenience. Because the power... Of the gospel is God at work in the sinner. The gospel is transformative. And so as we conclude going into the second half of verse 17, Paul says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, that is as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. He's quoting Habakkuk from the Old Testament. And what you need to know is that you do not need to be ashamed of the gospel. For it is God at work through you. The power of the gospel isn't in the person or the preacher or the building or the program. The power of the gospel lies in God at work through Jesus in rescuing sinners transforming them into the image of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christian, your response then, your response, like if you think about works, your works are a response to the faith in you. Your works are a response to who Jesus says you are your response is one of trust. That you would trust in God because he alone is trustworthy. And if you don't believe me, if you're a Christian, I would say, well, he saved you, didn't he? You see, because of God's work for you through Jesus on the cross, You are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter to the Father. And so what the gospel tells us is to don't trust yourself. Instead, trust the Father who has secured your sonship through Jesus. Faithfulness is not so that you would be approved by the Father. Faithfulness is because you are already approved by the Father through Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, again, love that you're hanging out with us this morning. But let me just say, faith is not blind. Actually, let me back up. If you don't know Jesus... Then you walk in a false sense of righteousness. And in addition to that, I want you to know that faith is not blind, contrary to all the movies. Faith is not blind, it's not a leap of uncertainty, and it is not even the unraveling of your intellect. The Bible teaches that that faith does consist of a couple of things, and it consists of three. It consists with the truth. It consists of our agreement with the truth, and then it consists of us actually following through with it. So it's not uncertainty. It's not a leap into the unknown. Faith, however, is the crucifixion of your pride. And so today, Jesus invites you to know him. And he offers you redemption. He offers you redemption so that you might walk in his righteousness. Man, I love you, and I'm glad that you're here with us. Therefore, repent of your sin. That is, turn away from your sin Place your trust in Jesus. I know you're exhausted. What do you have to lose? And what are you afraid of? Place your trust in Jesus. He offers you redemption so that you would walk in his righteousness. Church, remember, the gospel is the power of God through Jesus rescuing sinners like you and me transforming them more and more on the daily to the image of Jesus and so because Jesus is risen may we respond today and each day without shame may we proclaim the excellencies of his mercy and his gospel in word and deed to one another, to our friends, to our family, to our neighbors, particularly in this season. May we praise him without shame for his glory and our good. I love y'all. Let's pray. God, as we close our time, Lord, we, we praise you and we worship you. Your grace is undeserving. Uh, your mercy is uh, undeserving, yet you freely gift us grace and mercy. You redeem us, you regenerate our hearts so that we would not only come to know you, but so that we would be transformed to be more like Jesus. God, may we not be ashamed of your gospel. Instead, May our hearts be rooted, may our hearts be anchored in the power of your gospel, that in it lies the hope and promises of Jesus. God, as we surrender to you in prayer, may you be at work in our hearts, fixing our eyes on Jesus so that we would be made more like him and ultimately glorify you in the process. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, Storehouse, uh, I hope you enjoyed this morning. I hope that you are encouraged. I hope that we would proclaim uh, the gospel of Jesus together unashamed. As a result, I'll leave you with a benediction. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 30. The Apostle Paul writes, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Storehouse, I love you. I'll see you during the week. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed today. Love you guys. Amen and amen.